Welcome everyone to the Bread of Life, a radio ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship Church in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about the significant work that God has allowed us to participate in around the world in equipping evangelists, disciple makers, and church planters, go to traincpe.org. And to find out more about our church in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. If you look in the back of your Bible, it's likely that you'll find a series of maps. One of those maps invariably will have upon it the missionary journeys of Paul. There will be at least three, usually four, listed there. Most commentators speculate that there was at least one more journey than these four, the last one taking him to Spain and possibly Great Britain. And here is the one thing you can learn from these maps above everything else. Paul was a missionary. He answered God's call to take the gospel message of Jesus Christ to the Gentile nations. And in Romans 4, verses 9 through 17, Paul refutes a common attitude among the Jews, which, if accepted, would limit the spread of the gospel and deny access of saving faith to the nations. This wasn't the normal pattern for a Jew. It particularly would not have been the normal pattern for a Jew that had been raised in the Pharisaic tradition and taught by one of the greatest Pharisaical teachers of all, a man by the name of Gamaliel, and that's Paul. The Jews had surrounded their life with customs and behaviors and patterns of behavior that would shield themselves off from the defilement of what they considered to be the Gentile race. Even as they went to them and tried to bring their message to them, they brought it to them from a distance. Paul lives among them and goes to them and is found with them and Paul gives his life to bringing the gospel to these Gentiles. And now Paul is writing to the people of Rome and he's trying to explain in a sense this motivation. He's trying to instill in the church that he's writing to this same passion and this same interest. He knows within the church there are those that are coming out of Judaism and the whole mindset in which they segregate themselves from the Gentile population and he's stirring them up as well to lay hold of this call and this command of God to be missionaries. And by the way, this attitude that was in the Jewish Christian still creeps into the life of every church. This kind of insular attitude in which we look to ourselves and we try to hone ourselves and we think of ourselves and we are a separate people, but we think the separation is to be separate. Instead, the separation is to be sent. He separates us out to send us to those in need of the gospel. And we get confused with that and we focus on the separation side of it. So Paul is writing to correct this spirit and this attitude. Paul is writing to put an argument before Jewish believers possibly and even those who are peering in and looking from the outside. He's trying to explain to them the gospel in such a way that they would feel the impulse and the design of God to go to all the nations. Paul now acknowledges something that has been developed in the mindset of the Jews. The Jews have added to their idea of how they are saved. And the Jews take away the idea that they're saved merely by faith, and they find the assurance of their salvation instead in their lineage from Abraham, just that they come from Abraham. And also, they find some sense of their assurance or special standing before God in the lineage that came from the people of Israel that were brought out of bondage and came before Mount Sinai and received the law. 
and that they were the recipients of God's great law and as such they had a kind of a founders mentality being the natural heirs and the natural children born from Abraham and born of those people who gathered later around Mount Sinai and received the law they were the people of the law and this in their mindset gave them an attitude that this in a sense gave them that assured position of salvation before God they added that to their faith in fact that kind of became the point of their faith if you came and you challenged a Jew in their need for salvation to yield themselves completely to the truth they would say what they said to John the Baptist when he was calling the people of Israel to repent we're the children of Israel we're the children of Abraham and John the Baptist said don't say that we're the children of Abraham when I call you to repent because God is able to raise up from these stones children of Abraham but that was their idea that was their mindset they said the same thing to the Lord Jesus when he told them that they would know the truth himself and he would set them free and they say how can you say we would know the truth and be set free we've never been in bondage to anyone we're the children of Abraham they say it while they're under bondage of Roman rule but they have this idea that somehow their position their lineage gives them special favor and standing with God and that's the basis of their assurance not only that they added to that this idea that they were the people who gave themselves to that law that was pronounced on Mount Sinai they in a sense made it their mission to understand and apply those laws and follow them and to follow into the implications of that law that was given defined in every minute way how they might be faithful to that law and so they were people of the law in the sense that they were given to that law to obey that law a law by the way the Gentiles hadn't even heard the Gentiles didn't even know they knew it they had heard it they had learned it they had given themselves to study it and obey it and follow it and it's that diligence that they gave and that focus as a nation they gave to the law that made them feel that they were assured of their salvation as well and so they added that you might say to the reference point in which they felt that they were saved and they were good with God at the same time it distinguished them from all the other nations they're not the heirs and they're not of the lineage of Abraham and they don't come from the people who stood before Mount Sinai and they haven't given themselves the observance of all the law and its commandments then added to that they had an extra amount of assurance because they had followed the prescribed rituals of their religion and take all those rituals that they followed their rituals of cleanliness and washing their hands they would ultimately bring it back to that founding ritual in their mind which was the ritual of circumcision and they were the circumcised and the Gentiles were the uncircumcised and that was the basis of their confidence that they were the people of God and that they had salvation and all these things the Jews held on to this identity and this sense of salvation and these things by holding on to these things the outcome of that was they were denying the message of salvation to all those outside they were denying it to those who were not the natural heirs of Abraham they were denying it in a large sense to those who had not even heard the law did not know the law and didn't know all the different prescriptions they were giving from the law and they were denying it from those individuals that had not received and given themselves the rituals of Judaism and been circumcised they were adding to their faith these things so that faith wasn't faith at all there wasn't a salvation by faith at all their salvation was essentially in these things maybe they wouldn't say that maybe they would say it was just faith in God and believing in God and they could proclaim that message and go out and proclaim the message and preach God to the nations but their practice was saying their practice and it was stealing away in their hearts as well and 
Paul is wanting to open up the gospel to all and he knows the message that we are saved by faith alone and Christ alone and God's provision alone and God keeping his promise to bless alone that in that message of salvation by faith it was a message that could go to all people regardless of their lineage regardless of what they knew of the law regardless of whatever rituals and, and religious practices they had in their past they could come into salvation and Paul wants to keep it that way he wants to keep the door open he wants to project the church and the Christians out with that message and not to be restrained by these ideas that may be pegged in the back of their minds and so Paul goes to the very one that they start their argument with Abraham and he shows that God when God brought faith to Abraham and when God through Abraham's faith declared him righteous it was at a time prior to that Abraham wasn't righteous it was in the moment that he received the promises of God and believed in God. As we said the last time I spoke on this subject, the one thing that God wants more than anything else from any individual is to be believed. And it was when Abraham believed God and the promises of God that we read that at that moment God imputed to him righteousness. It was accounted to him as righteousness just through his faith. He takes us back, Paul does, to that moment in time when that took place. And he shows us how Abraham had been promised that he would be blessed, that a great nation would rise from him, that he would bless that nation, and that through him he would bless all the nations or families of the earth. And it's in Genesis chapter 15. Later on in Genesis chapter 17, Abraham has a question. He doesn't understand how God is going to make a great nation of him because he has no natural heirs. He's an old man and his wife is old and they're barren. And how is it possible? Is God, are, are you going to somehow send this promise that you've given to me and now, and now direct it through one of my servants and one of my slaves or one of those who was born in my household that's not my own child. God says no and he has Abraham go out outside of his tent and he has Abraham look up into the stars. He says look up in the stars as many as those stars are so will be your children and then out of that God promises him that he's not only going to bless him and make from him one nation but he's going to make from him a multitude of nations. And now Paul is telling us at this moment that what God was promising to Abraham and what Abraham received in that promise, I mean, this is in verse 17, was not merely that he was going to have from his natural descendants, not only the Israelites and also the Ishmaelites, the Edomites and all the different people who might trace a natural heritage from him, but that Abraham was going to be the father of a multitude of nations through his faith in God. If he would just believe God and trust God, God would account him as being righteous and then through that faith, that trust that God would keep his promises, that God would let that faith go out and go out to all the nations and that there would be whole nations, whole new nations that would be renewed and made new, become, in a sense, heirs, spiritual heirs of Abraham. And so in that way, Abraham would be the father of a multitude of nations. Think about it. When we go and we share the gospel with an individual, and they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. And in a sense, what God is promising to Abraham and what is true is it's not simply that individuals become new creatures, but as in each nation, these new creations, these new regenerated individuals rise up from nation to nation, they begin to comprise a new nation. A nation that has been regenerate and made new. And, and one day the promise is that before the throne of Jesus Christ, 
people from every tongue and every tribe and every nation will bow and worship before him. New creations, new created nations, nations of faith that will rise and kind of prosper and grow and expand out of the faith of Abraham. What we said last time we spoke on this is see the expansive nature of your faith. When you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you trust him and you live for him and seek to honor him and you take his promises by faith, it doesn't end with you. It opens up the prospect of a life that reverberates out. It reverberates out to the stars and a host of those that God would redeem and call to himself. Your faith in him and your trust in him has the potential of taking hold of nations and turning nations to Christ. And it began with Abraham and also the Jews, the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel wasn't, in a sense, a distinct people who alone were to receive the benefits and blessings of God. They were to be a case study of the blessings of God. They were to turn to God and trust in God and believe in God, and God would bring his salvation to them, and God would complete all of his promises to them, and, and he will one day, and he will fulfill all those things, but them not alone. With them all the other nations that learn from the example and expression of God's faithfulness through them and God's salvation to Israel. They understand, look, if God can save those people, those stubborn people, those rebellious and sinful people, those people who turn again and again from the promises and blessing of God to seek after other gods, if God could throughout the history of the world pursue them to the end that he will bring them to himself. How much more will he bring all these other nations that lie in the darkness and fulfill a promise to them and give them blessings in like kind as he's given them. So when God says, I'll bless you and I'll bless the people, the nation of Israel through you. And then he says, and through you I'll bless all the nations of the earth. The blessings are the same kinds of blessings. Thanks for joining us today at the Bread of Life. We'd love to hear from you. Go to breadoflifeboise.org and follow the links to send us a message of encouragement or a prayer request. Until the next time, may the Lord bless you.